Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Ki Jai, Dauji Gopal Ki Jai. So, we're continuing our discussion of Chaitanya Charitamrita in the 13th chapter of the Adi Lila, and Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is giving a synopsis of the Adi Lila. He's going to talk very briefly about the birth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the auspicious uh, stellar arrangements, and the uh, festive participation of all types of uh, persons. Uh, and with that, bring the chapter to a close. And then, I don't know if we'll get that far tonight, but then the 14th chapter will begin with the, not a synopsis, but now a detailed narrative of the Adi Lila. So we heard what uh, last in our last discussion that that uh, the abode, the dham, the light, dham means light also, of the Godhead appeared in the heart of Jagannath Mishra. And people were taking notice of him, offering him gifts and things. So he could understand something auspicious was taking place, and he, as it's explained, transferred his heart. He shared his experience, his faith. Faith, we uh, um, like to think of as experience. Pujapatrita Maharaj, as you know, described the spiritual world as planets of faith. Faith being the absence of doubt, which enables us to move freely without any cause, without any, without, without any concern. I liken it to the homeland, if you will, of the heart. So, it's a tangible thing, faith, and it, 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 um, it speaks to us of something positive and also um, active. Shidra, uh, in, in the Gita, excuse me, uh, Krishna has described faith as the ver- what very, that which very, which, which verily constitutes a person. Hmm? Shraddho, ayam, purushaha, something to that effect. That the person is their faith. Hmm? Um, and accordingly they move and uh, conduct themselves. Hmm? So, it's hardly merely, as it's sometimes thought in the modern world, to be the absence of reason. Hmm? Indeed, a well-reasoned life leads us to the conclusion that reason itself is a limited vehicle in terms of revealing comprehensively the nature of being and reality. Hmm? I was reading a discussion, a person was making the comment that he, you know, he only wanted to believe in, in things that, that he could observe and, and, and reason about and get results from and so forth and so on. Um, and that is a way of knowing, certainly, but the point our, we don't dismiss that the empirical and rational way of knowing uh, to some extent, but we do not believe that such a practice will give knowledge of and experience of consciousness, the self. Hmm. But that requires a different method. And the, you will get experience by the method, um, but you can only share your enthusiasm for your experience um, with others. Try to put into words and try to reason about something that transcends uh, both of them. And, and, of course, we also believe, and for good reason, that, that our very self is is consciousness constituted. So, by the empirical method of knowing, 
we cannot know ourself. How much have we missed then in terms of knowing everything? We can't even know ourself comprehensively. Hmm? So, so faith is the vehicle. Hmm? Now that faith is where there may be blind faith, of course, then there may be faith with open eyes. And this is a faith in the limits of reason. That's quite reasonable as a way of knowing. Hmm? As a way, as an outward, if you will, way of knowing will not enable us to arrive at knowing that which lies within. And it's questionable how much it will afford us knowledge of what lies without as well. Hmm? You may find out this or that or another thing and use that pragmatically for our purposes, but even to know the nature of matter, what's out there, so to speak, is by that method is is um, it's questionable. If that's possible, of course, for our, our conviction is that it's not. Hmm. So faith, something substantial. Hmm. And different types of faith, as Krishna explains in the Gita, faith in different modes of nature. And of course here we're concerned with divine faith. Hmm. And so from the planets of faith, if you will, this faith is descending. How do we get it? We associate with those that have it. This is a very contagious thing that is thought to be, when you get the sniffles of faith, then you, you have eligibility to tread the path of bhakti. You're, you're, you're able to, we can commit you then to an institution of other mad people like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Maddened in, in ecstasy. Yes, he was. This is our our goal. So, in this, from this perspective, then faith takes precedence over reason, and reason reaches its most um, efficacious uh, position and exercise when it supports that faith, when it gives support to it. Hmm. Supports us in terms of applying ourselves in relation to the faith. Again, the faith is active, so it, it, it defines a person it makes a person move in the way they do. And Pujabhachita Maharaj, as you know, would like to say, suspicion leads to suspension. So when we have suspicion and we, in whatever field, we're suspended, similarly within the divine realm. That's why we need association, that our faith may grow hmm? um, in the presence of other like-minded and affectionately disposed persons, ideally advanced Vaishnavas. Hmm. So, the initiation that the Janamastami, or here Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, a parallel, is, um, is is compared to is a transferring of the faith from the heart of the guru to the heart of the disciple, and the medium is 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 the mantra that's imparted, which is kind of like in seed form. So, who we get it from is important too. Hmm? And so, we heard about this, that, uh, again, Javinath Misha experienced the, 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 the abode of the Lord in his heart, and his heart was illumined, he transferred his, that to, to Sachi, and this says something, meant to tell us something about the appearance of the Godhead in his various avatars, here, of course, he's the avatari in a special descent, is something that's not under the jurisdiction of the Maya Shakti. So there's a way to be in the world, but not of the world, so to speak. This is a real thing, this Sarup Shakti. Where is it, you might ask? Um, it's wherever there are devotees, wherever there is the chanting of the Holy Name. It's always been in the world. You will always be in the world. That's why I often say that it's perhaps easier to dismiss the existence of God than it is to dismiss love of God. But the secret, of course, in Gaudi Vedanta is that the two are one and different. Wherever there's love of God, uh, there's God. Hmm. Um, there's a, just remind, I can't know if I can 
recited, there's a story, it's attributed to Einstein as a, as a young schoolboy, I don't know if it's accurate, but um, he was asked, the teacher was, was atheistic or something like that, and so, um, what was the question? Was the, I can't see God, where is he? And, and um, then, then the student, whoever was set, the story goes, said, um, the one about lack of light. Yeah, well, can you see light? Is it what? Um, and he said, light is only absence of darkness. Hmm? And he gave a physis- physical physicist type of perspective on natural phenomenon. Light is absence of. Dark, darkness is that, yeah, darkness is the absence of light. Hmm? And I guess the professor was saying, if there's God in the world, why is there evil? Hmm? If God is good, therefore, there must not be God because there's evil in the world, and it's bad, therefore we shouldn't believe in God. So he said, well, I have a question on that. He said, let me ask you this, is there darkness? Hmm? And... Uh, Or something like that, and he said, hey, "Well, actually, the, the, the student answered himself: oh, darkness is only absence of light, and similarly, evil is only the absence of of love of God." Wherever there is things that are really talked about in the scriptures, hmm? and in their, the heart of the scriptures, really, and probably this is across the board um, culturally in terms of the different religious traditions, then um, there can be no evil. Obviously, that can be abused, and you can go gravitate toward the surface of the scripture and go on a jihad or something like that, or a um, crusade, or whatever may, may be, the, be the case. But at the heart, their heart, and at the heart, that's where we find experiential spirituality, the mystics, and so on and so forth, and and um, and. Whoever that kind of mystical uh, ego uh, effacing and more experience is found, then there can be no no evil there. So, so this is reasoning, if you will, about faith in support of the faith as a vehicle of, of 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 going beyond reason. It's not unreasonable, but it it's. I like to refer to it as transrational. It picks up where reason leaves off. So if we want to know hmm, comprehensively even ourself, hmm, well, we can reason and we can do experiment and observation and reason about the data that we get and so on and so forth, which is the scientific method, which is not really a big thing. Everybody does that. I mean, everybody, you know, even the most, even the cavemen that touched fire, they got burnt. Did you touch it? Did you get burnt? Okay, don't touch fire. <laughs> so they did their experiment, they got the data, they came to a certain truth. Fire burns, you know. Yeah, so we don't touch it. Um, so you can learn things by that, but, uh, but what is the subjective realm of experience of consciousness and so forth. Well, they've tried, as we've often said, and for, for quite some time now, and to come up with it, and and uh, um, they're coming up empty-handed by that method. Meanwhile, the sacred texts of India are rich with people of experience who have taken a different method, an inverse method, by stopping the mind and the senses from going out, turning that within, and so on and so forth. And um, so, and this we would say to know thyself. Mm. In a manner that that uh, transcends. The, the self that it, that itself is a problem that invariably is at odds with other selves the American self the the Indian self the black self the white self the man self the woman the man self is our 
uh, inevitably going to be at odds with one another to some extent. Hmm. So, if our ideal is to transcend such divisiveness and so forth, right? this internal meditative way of knowing is is highly recommended because we see the people who have arrived at that experience, they, they have no national consciousness or gender consciousness and so on and so forth of this world. <clears throat> so, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is the way he appeared in the world, in other words, under the influence of this Sarup Shakti. Bhakti is constituted of the Sarup Shakti. It's in the world. It's an influence in the world, like karma. Hmm? The difference is if you meet the bhakti influence, then it will be the beginning of the end of the karmic influence, which itself has no beginning. But as it has no beginning in the world, there's no beginning to bhakti in the world either. In all the world cycles, there's bhakti. So, that is that is the means to end the world cycles. So, here... Then the text goes on. Itto bali dunghi rahi harshita hon shalagram sevukori visheshkoriya. So, as we heard before, when they had their son, Vishvarup, what did they do? Said Govinda Charan Sevit. They did Seva, they did the worship of Govinda. So, here in another way it's explained as well. With the, with, uh, at this point, when Sachi was seeing divine beings in the sky and, uh, and feeling filled with uh, spiritual luminosity and so on and so forth, her and her husband, they worshipped the household Shaligam Shila. So as I mentioned, they, they had a Shaligam Shila also, uh, most likely the Nashinga Shila, which is the deity in the house of Nanda Maharaj and Vishuddha Mahi there in, in Golok. The idea that there is Vaidhi Bhakti and Varnashram in Golok philosophically says to us that within Rag Bhakti and the attainment of Braj Bhakti, Braj Rasa, then all that can be attained within Vaidhi Bhakti, all that can be attained within the religious life of Varnashram and more can be attained. That doesn't mean we'll import Varnashram from there and apply it in our life. That we'll import the bhava from there. Hmm? And uh, Varnashram won't help us very much here in, in, that, in that pursuit. Only in terms of internal meditation on the Leela where the, where the Varnashram gives a structure to the bhava. Hmm? So, um, they were Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda Mai and here Sachi and Jagannath Mishra, devout Vaidhi Bhaktas hmm? uh, <laughs> in appearance. Hmm? But their real preoccupation was with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and with Krishna respectively. So as I say, they did Artik, but their mind was somewhere else. Hmm? For them it was a positive. For us it's not so. Uh, yeah. Their mind only on Krishna, only on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And what? Then, Hoite Hoite Hoila Garba Trayodash Mash Tatapi Bhumishtanahi Mishir Hoila Trasa. So, in all of this auspiciousness, then, and celebration and puja, um, there was some concern. What is the concern? That from the time of the conception, 13 months had passed. Usually it's nine months uh, before uh, the, the cycle for human birth. But 13 months had passed. Trayodash Mas. So, Mishrer Huila Tras, Jagannath Misha became uh, concerned. So apparently, um, we, had, we have already heard just a few slokas earlier that the uh, the the the, ta- the the the, uh, the day and the year of the conception of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Krishna and others must have calculated this from the fact that the child 
was in the womb for 13 months. Remember we heard it was a year ago, a year, year plus now. So in this way, the pregnancy approached the 13th year, 13th month, excuse me, and there was still no sign of delivery of the child. Thus, Jagannath Mishra became greatly apprehensive. No explanation of why Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stayed there for for 13 months, other than to create some drama, I suppose, uh, in the lives of his parents and others uh, who, who, who knew them. And it gives opportunity for the father, the maternal uh, grandfather of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the father of Jagannath, of Asachimata, to, who was a uh, Jyotish, an astrologer, to come and examine the situation from the astrological uh, perspective. Nilamar Chakravati then did an astrological calculation and said, in that very month, taking advantage of an auspicious moment, the child would take birth. So I guess you could say that he was waiting for an auspicious moment, astrologically speaking. His chart is spoken about here in brief um, in the text. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, who was an astrologer, went to, do it, went to it in some detail. I've never uh, been seen to look at that or talk to um, one of our Jodish, Jyotishas like Hans Avatar, perhaps, and uh, get uh, a reading of from that perspective of how the birth time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very auspicious. Something about it will be said here um, in brief, but... Um, but time has uh, uh, quality. It's not just a quantitative uh, measurement, but it has quality. And um, and the stars, if you will, in heavens influence the earth, and we know that, right? We know that the moon regulates the tides. Obviously, the sun affects us. So we can measure that. We know that the planets in this way have physical impact, but um, they may have impacts that we cannot measure with our present instruments. Is that unreasonable? Hmm? Only to a person that's rather proud of their material progress thus far in terms of measuring um which is the way of, of, of modern science and so forth. There's a very um, good book that I read some time ago. I read it here at Madhavan a few years ago uh, by um, Richard Tarans, who wrote The Passion, Passion of the Western Mind. Highly recommended book. Uh, I feel like I got a whole education of Western uh, philosophical and scientific thought since uh, the time of the Greeks. And, uh, and I, as I kept read that, reading that book, I kept thinking, what about the East? What about the East? It doesn't go into it, but then in his conclusion of the book, you see he, he quite a, um, has a spiritual outlook on life that uh, has a lot of correspondence with Eastern spiritual um, perspectives and so forth. He was... Um, Spent a lot of time at the Esalon Institute, I think, in in, uh, in in California, which was like a kind of a think tank a few generations ago about alternative perspectives and so forth. Anyway, his, his book that followed that is, is called Cosmic Cosm, Cosmos and Psyche, something like Cosmos and Psyche. So it's uh, it's similar in some ways to the the um, Passion of the Western Mind, and that it gives a history of thought, kind of beginning with Copernicus, and uh, and the first hundred pages were quite fascinating. And the balance of the book, all of which that leads up to, is um, aims at and does a good job of giving credibility to the idea hmm, that there are subtle and intelligent influences in the world that sometimes people think of as just being unintelligent, dead, um, there's nobody out there. Hmm. Um, kind of perspective. So he, he, what he does in, in the uh, greater balance of the book is look 
at astrological findings. He chooses to look at it from what's called archetypal um, astrology, different than the predictive um, astrology, more more famous. But he shows some incredible um, correspondence between stellar arrangements and and events in, in history of the world. Hmm? And he makes a very, very, very credible um, case for an intelligent universe, if you will, hmm? like a universal mind. Hmm? Um, uh, and in a modern, you know, with modern sensibilities, uh, and he's, of course, a very well-educated person. So while his ultimately his speculations about the nature of that and so forth, which were compelling in, in terms of the basic argument hmm, that um, um, I, I differed from the detail, but the basic argument is very uh, good, very good arguments uh, for that. So not something to be uh, dismissed uh, as many people would like to and, and, and not much to do with the, the daily horoscope in the Tribune. Uh, or you might find might find on the internet um, with regard to the astrological art or science of times gone by in India I believe it's thought that the present time in the Kali Yuga it's hard to find a good uh, astrologer to, 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 to read the signs and and um, and so forth so at any rate in Lombard Chakrabarti apparently the, the maternal Grandfather of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, a Jyotish. Hmm? The, there's the must be a Jyotir Jyotir Veda Jyotish Veda must be a. Jyotish yeah. is the. Is one of the sciences. Jyotish is an astrologer. One of the arts sciences, Vedic texts, most most of which are are material. Hmm? Um, so material science, but it's a material science that's that is, is at the same time uh, arises out of a worldview that is not materialistic. Chodashata, Shattashake, Mash Jephalgun, Punamashira Shandyakali, Hoyla So thus, in the year 1407, Shak era, corresponding with 1486 Common Era. In the month of Falgun, February, March, in the evening of the full moon day, the desired auspicious moment arrived. Haribol, gold, Haribol. Singharasi Singalagna, Ucha Grahagan, Shadvarga Ashtavarga, Sarvasulakshan. According to the Jyoti Ved, okay, there we go. The auspicious birth moment is described as follows. The moon was in Leo, the figure of the lion in the zodiac, the leader. Leo was the ascendant. Several planets were strongly positioned and the Sadvarga and Astavarga showed all auspicious influences. We need a Jyotish to elaborate upon what's been said there. It's not my, my field, but it was an auspicious chart, as you can imagine. Akalanka Gaur Chandra Diladarshan Sakalanka Chandra Ar Kon Prayojan. So here's a nice poetic statement. He says, When Akalanga Gaur Chandra, when the spotless Gaur Chandra, Chandra means moon, spotless moon of Gaur appeared, Dila Darshan, made himself visible. Darshan is often talked about as if I'm going to have Darshan. But of course the idea is I'm going to be seen by, by, the, by the Lord, bring myself before him and report in and be seen, rather than that I will see him. I will see him if he wants me to see him. I'm going to be seen. Uh, so, the, the, with the darshan, he made himself seen um, of the spotless moon, Sakalanka Chandra Arkon Prayojan. 
what was the need of a moon with spots on it? Uh, so the moon is beautiful at night, full moon, bright, lights up the night, but it, it's, 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 it has some spots on it, <laughs> is the idea. Huh? And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu compared to the moon, by comparison, was spotless, pure in all respects. So, with this in mind, Etajani Rahukala Chandrera Grahana Krishna Krishna Hari Nami Considering this, Rahu, the black planet, covered the full moon and immediately vibrations of Krishna, Krishna, Hari, inundated the three worlds. Jai Jai Dwani Hula Shakala Bhuvan Shamatkar Huyaloka Babi Mane Man. All the people chanted Hare Krishna during the lunar eclipse and their minds were struck with wonder. So, Rahu is introduced. Of course, we in the modern world you think of Rahu as the uh, the shadow, isn't it? Of the of the uh, as the shadow of the earth covering the the sun, and therefore there is an eclipse. And this type of thinking has some merit, but it's a way of thinking about the world and the movements, the stellar movements, and so forth. That at the same time is rather rather lifeless and um, meaningless in, in, in any absolute sense. Hmm. Um, the, the ancient way of looking at the world, all over the world, but particularly in India here, is one with where the universe is alive. Hmm. And, um, and all of its movement has consciousness behind it, just like the movements of our body and psyche have consciousness behind them. <clears throat> the story of Rahu, of course, comes uh, throughout the Puranas, but in the Bhagavatam, it appears in the, uh, the, uh, the story of the churning of the ocean of milk in the eighth canto of the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> it's thought that the gods and the... Uh, the demons were feuding, which is what the world's about, hmm? the, uh, the tug war between good and evil, piety and impiety and so forth. And uh, as the story goes, they got the, the, the golden Mandara mountain uh, and um, I guess they were fighting over it and then it was, fell into the ocean and so Vishnu in the form of a tortoise, put it on his back. So the idea is, to, and then Vasuki appeared as a serpent, and then the story goes on, but they each grabbed one end, and it had a tug of war. And in the tug of war, the mountain served as a churning rod in the ocean of milk. So the whole of the existence, which constitutes in one sense this struggle of good and evil, it's all resting on the back of Vishnu. He's supporting the world. Hmm? He's not very interested in, in the piety or the impiety. Hmm? Um, all of this has little to do with him, and he rewards it accordingly by deferring to, to karma, hmm? which is depicted in the churning by different things coming out, good things, bad things. Hmm? They were churning the ocean of milk, as if you churn milk, you can get good things from that. Uh, so that it was thought that if they churned the ocean of milk, they would get a, 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 a immortality. Um, they would get the uh, the nectar, the nectar of immortality. So it, the story tells us that, that really what people want in the world is immortality. Hmm. They don't know how to do it, go about it. Vishnu still helps them out, but only from the backside. <laughs> um, uh, and so they struggle and they struggle, but, uh, uh, and, and in the churning, certain things came out. Well, the first thing that came out was the Kaladuta. This poison came out. The opposite of of nectar, 
And so Mahadev Shiv stepped in and drank it. And it went in and, and his throat became blue. Nilkanta he's called. So the point is that Vaishnavanamitashambu, he's, he's, he's a Vaishnav. He's, he's beyond the world. He's depicted as, as renounced and so forth. So he's not interested in the good or the bad of the world. Even up to the, the nectar of the immortality of the gods, which lets them live for a long, long, long time, but, but not forever. So, even the poison of the world, he can, Vaishnav can turn it into something, but it's not going to affect him, something like that. Anyway, they churned and churned, and, and the nectar came out. Dunvantari brought the pot of nectar. And then there was some struggle who, who would drink it and so forth. And Mohini Murti appeared and arranged for the gods to have it. But anyway, this Rahu, he, uh, he disguised himself as a god and sat down on their side. And so when the nectar was served, he drank it. But then someone noticed, that's Rahu in disguise. And so they cut off his head. And so Rahu is depicted in the... Uh, in art, as as a malefic influence, often as a snake, just a head, hmm? because he drank the nectar of immortality. He, of course, it's not immortal, but he lived as long as the gods lived, something like that. Uh, just his head only, not his body. Hmm? <laughs> and so when he when he swallows the sun, it goes in, but it comes out the other side <laughs> right away or soon. Shortly thereafter, and then Ke- Rahu and Ketu; these are the two lunar uh, nodes. I guess. They, they correspond with the, the times when the sun and the moon they they kind of hmm? line up, something like that. And but at any rate, in Vedic astrology, they're they're um, they're like um, quarks or gluons, you know, that that are there by the math of the Vedic astrology. Well, when you look inside the atom, apparently there are things that you can't see, but you can do calculations and understand that they're there. So, gluons, quarks, and they have other names, um, subatomic particles. It's not an observable world, but it's observable by mathematical equations, and they, so they, they determine that. And so, by the astrological calculations, in which there are, these two are positive as actually existing as, as influences, hmm? then the charts are done and so forth, and, 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 and they have influence. So they're there hmm? in some capacity beyond, from the Vedic astrological perspective, in a, in a way that exceeds what we, how we think of it in the modern scientific community. It's just, well, it's just a shadow. That's all. Hmm? Well, a shadow has some substance uh, behind it, something like this. Uh, and there's, and also in this world, it's a poetic world. It's a colorful way of talking about the world, obviously, um, that brings it alive. It brings everything to life. And one of the things, for example, that brings to life is the idea in this story um, that there is a real good and there's a real bad because there's real people. Hmm? The gods and the gods. Good and bad are ontologically uh, rooted. Hmm? It's not just something you made up in your mind that it's good for you, it's bad for him. And and, and the moral life has no... um, uh, no no ground, so to speak. It's just a mental construct. No, the moral life is grounded in absolute good, and it's a shadow of that. Um, and therefore, morale is always, oh, we do it like this, or we do it like that, and, and you can never perfectly balance it. So pursuing the moral life, of course, is a good thing, but when you realize you can't fully balance it out and be a perfectly virtuous person in this world, it's impossible. As I've said in my example, if you try to take the fly out of the spider's web and the spider goes without dinner. You know, So you, you had a good intention, but from a moral point of view, 
this is this is a problem. So you you reach that conclusion, and then you go beyond the shadow of good that is the moral life. This is the idea of the Veda to spiritual experiential life from a pious life, a religious life, to the life of pursuing the idea that you are more than a human, more than a god. You are an atma. And then, as we realize that proportionally, we have the capacity to experience absolute, absolute good, absolute good. Krishna Leela is absolute good, and they're doing things that look bad <laughs> from a moral point of view. This is one of the lessons of the Leela. Krishna is not so well behaved. He's he's a thief, and so so something that transcends the moral life, ultimate good. But uh, these descriptions, as I say, of the world hmm, um, in the sacred texts and so forth are ways of talking about the world that that posit the idea that the world is meaningful in an overarching sense. There's a purpose. Hmm? There is real good and there's real bad and there's real consequences um, for pursuing one or the other. And and ultimately, as I say, there's a transcendental good. Hmm? Beyond the gods is the, is the Godhead. Hmm? So that's what these stories are about. They're a way, and if you look at them, the philosophical implications of them, you come up with a very meaningful uh, explanation of the natural world. Hmm? And, of course, it's of interest to us that from the astrological calculations, which are basically mathematical, hmm, by positing the nodes, if you will, of Ketu and Rahu, Ketu is like some, in the story, some partial manifestation of the Rahu, I believe. Ketu and Rahu, hmm, his is his body, right? Hmm, Rahu is the head and the body is cut off as Ketu. Then they can actually... Um, um, it's part of the predictive science, if you will. So, if if you are in your chart, malefic influence of Rahu uh, is uh, appearing at a certain time, depending on the arrangement of the other planets and so forth. Then some determination will be made whether it's going to be a good period or a bad period. Even malefic influences can be a good period. Saturn is said to be malefic, but it may lead to renunciation, so it's bad, you won't get good good material fruits, but that may be good for you. Also. So anyway, so it's, uh, it's uh, 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 these uh, Vedic way of looking at things and the astrological science and so forth, they're not something to be so readily dismissed by uh, the, by the um, false pride of, of those who um, embrace materialism as a philosophy. Hmm? There's a fool's philosophy. It's a flat earth philosophy. One dimensional. Everything's physical. Hmm? Why talk? Why reason? Hmm? What is the value of one? We've said that so many times. So, so, so Jai Jai Dwani Hoila Sakala Bhavani. He also here, the import of this is what? Is that, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance, which, in, in which he will, um, um, popularize and distribute the Nam Dharma and the chanting of the holy name of Krishna. Hmm? That his appearance is is prefaced by the chanting, and it's arranged by the malefic influence of Rahu. So Rahu said, "Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming." Uh-huh. Uh, so I'll come with the real moon, and the result is everyone is chanting and heralding without knowing it. The appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, kind of a forecast of his appearance, what he would do, and so on and so forth. And the malefic influence of Rahu is thought to be consciously involved in this. So the power of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation, the point is, to turn good into bad, hmm, is is brought to light. Uh, once one of my gobblers asked Pujapad Sridhar if he could wear a Nishringa Kavacha, Kavacha is like you, you get a mantra and put it in this little kavacha, a little, <laughs> a little, like little silver or copper tube, 
and then you put it in a band around your arm and for protection. And Sridhar Maharaj told him that you want protection from inauspicious things, but but with the chanting of the holy name, we invite inauspicious things and adversity, hmm, such as the power of the holy name. Kunti Devi invited diversity. She said, "Vipada Tatra Tatra." Well, it's been a long time since I chanted that verse. But let, anyway, she said, "Let let the inauspicious. Uh, so many things have troubled us, the Pandavas." Hmm? Um, our house was was there was it was a arson, and we were someone tried to poison us, and we were exiled, and so many things. But let these things come, she said, again and again, because in the presence of such difficulties, hmm, we are driven that much more to remember the lotus feet of Krishna, by which the world of difficulties is overcome. Why deal? Why pray to get rid of one difficulty or another? We get rid of the whole world of difficulties hmm? by the chanting of the Holy Name. So he pushed on that uh, position. Hmm? It's not a bad thing, but we should have faith in the power of the Holy Name and the Vaishnavas hmm? to uh, clear our path from Adversity by way of, as he said in his poetic rendering of the famous Bhagavatam verse uh, from the 10th canto. What is the verse? The environment is friendly. Tate nukampam susamikshamana bhunjana edvanta kritan vipakam pridvagvapubhiridam namaste jiveta yomukti padesadaya bhakta. The environment is friendly. So when inauspicious things happen to us, with a philosophical perspective, we think, hmm, I'm do this from my past, so let me not react to it in a way that I get plugged in and get back at them and just perpetuate the whole thing. But no, that such a nice person has come hmm, to create a problem for me in my life and be an instrument by which my my karmic past is retired. In the context of my devotional life, I'm a devotee, I'm a sadhak, I'm chanting, eradicating the karma, and here it comes. This is what's happening. This is what I'm asking for. Here it comes. Now it's being retired. So the Bhagavatam says, one who comes to think like this, then this person is the rightful heir to attaining liberation at the lotus feet of of Krishna, of Govinda, Mukunda. Jiveta Yamukti Padesadayabhak. So a kind of a transcendental uh, tolerance, the likes of which Mahaprabhu mandated for his disciples when he said, to be tolerant like a tree. When Bhaktivinoda Thakur speaks about that verse, he says, the tolerance of the tree is such that it rises to the point of doing good for others, even when others attack it. When they try to chop down the tree, the tree is still giving them shade and making no complaints hmm? and showing mercy. Hmm? So, so the, this is the idea here hmm? that with the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes the Nam Dharma. Many people at this time in India were advocating the... Um, efficacy of the sacred name, the Logos, the Divine Logos, Kabir, this one, Guru Nanak, and others, and so forth. There was a, a number of them, as I said before, that this kind of a sense of bhakti has more power than jnana, and it can bring us in humans from whatever condition in, in direct communion with the Godhead without having to get jnana and become a Brahman and a sannyasi, and as the Advaitins are taught, and so forth. Hmm? But most of these uh, bhakti movements and uh, movements that um, were, from a practicing point of view, centered on, on kirtan, chanting the names, they had a, a saguna conception of the name. That means that the name was a 
manifestation of, of Brahman that we could take advantage of and would help us to go into Brahman and the name would retire. Hmm? Now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's theology is quite different. His Nam Dharma, it's a Nirguna Nam. The name is Nirguna. It's transcendental. And it's di- non-different than the person it, it, that it names. The name and the named are non-different and so forth. This is, of course, the Vaishnav um, philosophy. Yeah. So a transcendent uh, relationship with the personality of Godhead and Leela and movement and so on and so forth. Nam Nama Kari Bahudat Nijasarva Shakti. He said that these names are full of my Shakti, Bhagavan Shakti. Hmm? And many names, and they're full of the Shakti. Means, means names, Mahaprabhu chanted, describe Bhagavan Shri Krishna in relation to his devotees hmm? and in the Brajalila. Hmm? So, these mean, he means names that speak about the influence of the Surup Shakti, Bhakti, upon Bhagavan. Yashodanandan, hmm? Nandanandan, Radhanath, hmm? and so on and so forth. So these have great, um, great power. Hmm? Not like a Saguna conception of the name, where the name is thought to be a manifestation of the, of the Sattva Guna, will just do away with ignorance and, um, I guess Sattva brings knowledge, but, but it will eradicate ignorance comprehensively at its root uh, and and in the now, hmm, including the Parabdha, the manifest karma, hmm, and, and moreover, of course, um, put us in a position to enter the leader, to be a, to be a, to be a player there. Hmm. And uh, have an influence in the life of the Godhead. So, very different idea and a much more developed um, theology about the Nam and its efficacy and so forth. And uh, and so here we find that his very appearance in the world is heralded by the chanting because people thought, oh, it's an eclipse, it's inauspicious. And so they all went into the Ganges and they began to chant. Ram, Krishna, Hari, and so forth. Jai Jai Dwani, Hoyla Sakala Bhuvan, Chamatkar Hui Loka Babim Manamana, Jagat Bhuriya Loka Bole, Hori Hori, Sekh Chani Gaur Krishna, Bhumi Avutari. When the whole world was thus chanting the holy name, Hari, Hari, Sekh Chani Gaur Hari, Bhumi Avutari. Then, at that time, Gauri advented himself on the earth. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu ke jai. We'll stop there. Any question? What's the time? Shri Gaurnathananda ki jai, Shri Raja Gopal ki jai, Shri Bhaktivinoda Paribha ki jai, Gaur Bhaktivinoda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. Oh.